0: Hey there, Matt here. Before we get started, just want to let you know that we will be sprinkling some book knowledge into our podcast. Don't worry, they will not spoil any aspect of the story. They're just more supplementary. However, if you're a person who absolutely hates book reader knowledge in your TV talk, then this podcast probably isn't for you. Also, we're sorry. Anyway, Here's the podcast. Hope you enjoy it.
1: Dedicated to George R.R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book
0: series. 5 is a high priest uncredited. This is my first draw on my second name. I don't want that. Oh. 11. 11 is instant death. Um. <laughs>
2: and the HBO Game
0: of Thrones franchises. Sorry, Matt. Uh, yes, Matt That's is not good automatically punished. I will select, I'm going to go ahead and select my punishment now so people know what I will be playing next week. I am going to select, I'm Cersei Lannister, podcaster. Yay! I am going to dress, it's going to be the visual one. I'm going to dress up as Cersei Lannister uh, for next week's panel podcast. That's yes! what I will select.
3: You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do, do, do,
0: do, 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 do. Welcome to Before the Dragon Podcast. It's our panel podcast, which comes out later in the week. We are covering season one, episode seven, Driftmark, written by Kevin Lau, directed by the current, but not to be long, showrunner, Miguel Shapochnik, and I am your host, Cersei Lannister.
2: Cersei Lannister. <laughs> yes
0: it's a terrible costume i tried to get the the queen armor costume uh and it did not it was not going to come in time so i rejected that and i just got this cheap one from i don't even remember where uh amazon and uh the hair the wig is already in my eyes and the the tiara is hurting my head so it's going to be a fun podcast for me We've got other people paying punishments. Um, John, do you have a statement to make, or do you just want to just say something right off the bat, just a quick sentence?
4: Holly's always right.
3: Oh, that's so nice to hear.
0: Yes, John uh, will be serving. Holly is always always right all night long. He'll be having to agree with Holly, no matter what outrageous thing she says. On top of that, we have Kelly, who is also serving as our maester intern our maester intern for the podcast. She will have to fulfill the request of answering any questions that we have. I've already got one request for you right now, Kelly. That request is I need you to find me all of the famous people who had club feet or (laughs) have had club feet uh, and make a top five list. I want your top five famous club foot people later in this podcast yes
1: sir, yes, sir. <laughs> oh, my queen
0: there you go thank you very much I, mean, I know i know that uh god this wig is just gonna drive me crazy but I'll, i will try to suffer through this uh I so li- matt yes just
2: a post post uh walk of shame cersei with the uh, short hair huh
0: uh, yeah i guess it's it's probably closer to the hair color of season one because I couldn't find a right properly colored wig, but it is a uh, also a, a a wig that has the short hair of Cersei after she was made to take the walk of shame. Uh, so uh, I can be an absolute real <laughs> tonight. Don't cross me. So way that, that goes. <laughs> um, all right. So with that said. Uh, we've described ourselves what we're doing this time around folks, you got to check it out on YouTube because there's no point in me doing this. If, if you don't come and check out the YouTube search for the word before the dragon podcast on YouTube, wherever you go. Also note Kelly's costume, because it's actually good. Uh, she has fulfilled the maester position quite well uh, for us. Susan is quite happy that she got the instant buy, and she also got an uncredited character in last week's draw. But we might fix that this week. We're going to be drawn again for Seven Hells later on. In the meantime, I have blabbed on enough and tried to make myself a spectacle enough. Let's make everybody else a spectacle. Susan, let's begin with your rating for Season 1, Episode 7, Driftmark, and a little bit as to why.
2: Yeah, uh, this was a great... uh... Episode, I'm going to give it a 9.5, and that's the highest rating I've given so far. Um, I'll say I didn't give it a 10 because of the uh, difficulty in uh, visuals. Other than that, I think everything was fantastic.
0: Excellent. Love that. Uh, what about the visuals?
2: Well, you know, just all the darkness that uh, you know, made it a little difficult to see.
0: I understand that some people out there do not. I have plenty to say about that later. Uh, Holly, how about your rating for season one, episode seven, Driftmark?
3: I'm going to go pretty high as well and give it a nine out of ten because I was looking forward to the events of this episode probably more than anything else really yet to come. So I think that this was it. This was the high point for the whole rest of the series. I might this will be my last podcast. Thank you very much. No. not really but i was really looking forward to the whole amon losing his eye thing just because i don't know it's it's brutal and um and we got it we got kids fighting it was crazy
0: it was it was crazy and your queen demands that you do not quit the podcast at this time kelly your uh rating for season one episode seven
1: I was so hyped after watching it, Matt. I was so glad you were as excited on your initial reaction because that was exactly how hyped I was. So I, I loved it. Nine and a half. Uh, again, that half point was probably just for, yeah, it was dark. Let's leave room for better. But at this point, like I'm I'm so jazzed. We saw so many dragons. Uh, we've got our dragon flight, you know, learning how to fly your dragon. It was great. I was very excited about everything that happened. Uh, it was done really, really well. Emotional, tense. Nine and a half. Uh, at least tied for my favorite at this point.
0: All right. And John, yours finally.
4: Well, this is definitely the high point of the season so far. I'm not going to say for the complete season because we haven't seen it all. I'm going to give it a 9.4 because there. I have a feeling we have a couple couple more uh, big things to come this season. I will say to Susan's comment about the visual quality, one thing I happened to notice tonight as I was skimming through and rewatching, specifically that Vagar scene, they look like they have color corrected and changed some things on the stream on HBO Max to the point where you can see a lot more, probably at least two to three times more than what I could see the first time I saw it. So
0: let me ask you this real quick. mm -hmm. The first time you watched it, did you watch it on Max or did you watch it on TV?
4: I only have Max.
0: You only have Max. So uh, could it have been just the compression of the stream?
4: i would say no just because of the sharpness is pretty much equivalent and it's just basically the the dark and black levels and uh, probably highlights were raised up and just you can you can see a lot more detail in the shadows and i specifically noticed that i could actually see stars um where before i could not so Hmm. that tells me that a heavy color correction or alteration occurred over the week Uh, all right at least for me. And again, it could have been the compression, I guess, but it was so, so sharp on the, on the broadcast night. So.
0: Okay. I understand that. Uh, Well, I don't know if I can uh, do this. I got to correct my rating uh, from earlier this week. I gave it a 9.8 earlier. I'm going to drop it down to a (laughs) 9.7, which is only a halfway decimal, (laughs) only a 10th of a decimal or decimal point. But Uh, The reason is, is because I loved all of the music in this. I thought, oh, there's that theme. Oh, there's that theme. And then I went back and I thought about it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Why is that theme there? So Ramin personally dropped everything, a decimal point for me this time around. And that's what we're going to talk about next as to why. Okay, I'm not really sure what's going on with this episode musically. It's almost like they just told Ramin to put together the hits from earlier in the season, and somebody who didn't have a concept of what fits character or moment themes just dropped them in where they felt good. And not that I'm complaining, it's all still great music, but it kind of ruins the continuity of everything that Ramin had established Up to this point in the series, and it's a little late in the game, 70% of the season to be over, to be rewriting meanings for these things. Remember that Ramin has to answer to whatever the director says to do. So if it's the case that Miguel kind of put this stuff together, telling Ramin to compose, oh, I really like that theme and I'd like to have it here, then Ramin really doesn't have a choice. But I'd have to say that if that is the case, and again, This is reckless speculation. Reckless speculation. But if that is the case, then I'll be happy to see Miguel go as a showrunner. Because I feel like he wrecked everything that Ramin decided to do for this season and had set up beautifully this season with a single episode, musically speaking. That's my soapbox to start off with. Nonetheless, the music, regardless of what kind of context it was used in, was still pretty darn brilliant. And I'm going to start with Vegar. From the time that his dragon ride starts, up to the point where we see Bela and Reyna waking Jace up, there are a couple of things that are presented that we've heard both in this series and in the Game of Thrones series. It all culminates right before Jace gets woke up with the dragon connection theme, which we've already discussed for this season, too, because it's been used. But more so in the capacity of identifying Targaryens in general, rather than their connection to the dragon. Here, it kind of returns home back to its original intent from the Game of Thrones series, where Aemon is making the connection with the dragon. And he's finally starting to, I won't say master it, because I don't see how anybody can master anything as large as vegar but he's starting to be able to ride the dragon well and it's that shot as he's over the water and approaching back at Driftmark again right before reina and Bela wake jace up kind of the climax of that moment for aemond if for some reason as many times as i've talked about this you're not aware of what i'm talking about theme wise it sounds like this Leading up to that, there is another beautiful little quote with the sliding cellos that slide down as Aemond first gives the order, Soves, which I'm assuming means fly. You hear that cello go down. That was like the way that we first heard back in season three of Game of Thrones when Daenerys gave Drogon the order, Drakaris, to light up the slave master. Which seems odd, although it is dragon-oriented, so perhaps that's why. And then we get that same inverted theme that was used for Danny's army that we ended up hearing when Rhaenyra, in Episode 2, was approaching Dragonstone and came up out of the clouds, the fog. This... Same time signature, same implication of major as opposed to minor, and going down, which is the exact opposite of the unsullied army theme, which goes up by a minor third. This one drops down a minor third, and it implies a major sound as opposed to a minor sound. Like I said, we heard that in episode two, so there's still continuity there. In fact, this whole scene is the most continuous of all of the scenes, musically speaking. I love those call outs, and I thought that this sequence was great. Best dragon riding sequence ever on Game of Thrones, right? And the music really helped. But let's talk about some other things that happened. During a lot of the stuff around the, I guess you could call it the open bar at the funeral, there was a theme that was played lightly underneath that we associated with Damon at the Stepstones in Episode 3. And I guess you could say that this scene is kind of about Damon. It's this loss of Lena and what have you. But it certainly takes on a different tone, especially when hardly any of the shots actually cover Damon. It's always about everybody else, where you see Jace with Bela and Reyna and all of these other things going on. Still a beautiful theme, and it did kind of fit the mood of the scene. But again, all of the continuity is gone. But I'm talking about this. So, again, we've talked about this before. Go back to our reviews of Episode 3. You can hear my complete breakdown of it. thought it was magnificent at the time. I think it's... Still a great theme here. I just don't understand why it's being used. And the last thing that I want to talk about this time around is the theme that we hear during the Damon and Rhaenyra love scene. Again, very beautiful, but we've heard it before in this season used for something completely different. In fact, we've heard it twice. In fact, I talked about it last week. I talked about how it was used with Rhaenyra and Alicent in the carriage in the very first episode and how it was used last week for Rhaenyra when she was approaching the queen with their newborn baby Joffrey. So maybe overall I can rethink this into being just a theme about Rhaenyra or I can even expand it to say Rhaenyra and relationships and that way I can cover my basis for saying you know this still has continuity but I didn't find much continuity in it to be treated very romantically and as a love theme for Rhaenyra and Damon, not after the way it had been used earlier in the season. Nonetheless, I don't want to take away, again, the beauty of the music itself. I'm just wondering why that particular theme was chosen when we've seen year after year, season after season, Ramin have a great continuity over Game of Thrones, or just about any other project that he's done, Westworld also, keeping a continuity for musical dummies like me so that I can concentrate more on how the theme works psychoacoustically than wondering what the hell is going on thematically. I promised I was going to get off my soapbox yet. Here I am at the end of the segment, and I'm still here. At any rate, go back and listen to last week's episode, how I talked about this theme, and then listen to the way it is used underneath Rhaenyra and Daemon as their love theme in this episode. And keep in mind, perhaps continuity-wise, we can still say, well, it's a theme about Rhaenyra, because Rhaenyra is the one constant within all of these situations. And we'll get back to our Wheel of Topics after I play this, again, it was a very lovely version of a theme that we've heard used in drastically different ways in prior episodes. what's that wheel say i can't see it the hair's in my eyes
2: we gotta wait for at least a year and a half for more of this
0: yes the news came out that they won't be starting filming until march of 2023 presumably they will start in spain um that's the first window that they will hear and lots of speculation maybe they just didn't uh you know wanted to wait until the new execs discovery took over and really approved the place even though HBO had renewed it almost instantly. I don't even know maybe they renewed it before it even aired the first episode. But the whole idea of the fact that we have to wait this long, it's going to be a long wait. I realize this season isn't even over yet. We still got, you know, uh another what 30% of the series of the season to go ahead of us. But uh it, it i wonder if maybe it's just the fact of the availability of the actors themselves mm. you know you're told okay you're going to make this pilot you're going to make this season and then then there's obviously contractual things within there but what if say matt smith had uh you know a contract to make another venom movie or something what was that move that horrible movie that he made this last spring
3: i don't i don't know yeah uh, the, kelly look kind of that up for me kelly you need to look kelly that up,
0: look, look that up, that up for me it. right now uh what was the horrible movie that matt smith made this season maester Maestr kelly, Maestr kelly is definitely on it there it is that's it you were beat to the punch maester kelly you were beat to the punch by common knowledge uh
1: i'm gonna act
3: i didn't see it but <laughs> I didn't. i didn't hear what was the movie
0: mobius Oh. Ooh. Yeah, it was a Venom sequel, I think, or something like that.
3: Oh yeah, okay.
0: All right. Well, anyway, does anybody have any thoughts about how this uh this news is hitting you? Uh you're going to have to spend another year and a half off um staying away from my glorious queen ship um while we wait for a new season to return and who knows who who of us will be interested in doing it even again uh, by that point? So uh, anybody have any thoughts on this? Does it matter to you one way or the other?
3: Well, I'll just say I've been waiting for wins of Winter since 2011. So <laughs> I am I'm, I'm I think I'm OK for like a year. Um, if it gets to the point where it's been two or three years and we haven't had one, then yeah, I'll be like, hey, what happened to that, that Dragon show that we liked?
1: And I think the concerns we had with Game of Thrones don't exist here where Game of Thrones had a bunch of children actors who wouldn't age accordingly with the show. Whereas here, hopefully we we time jump enough to the point where we've got mostly a, the same actors and they're all adultish enough that they can maintain an, an age appearance. Um, so that kind of a big time jump uh, in between filming isn't going to be as impactful on the show. So. All right.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. And also, uh, this puts them in a position even post uh, to be ready for a traditional Game of Thrones style spring release as opposed to this fall release, which I feel like they rushed up a little bit simply because uh, they had to compete with Lord of the Rings on Amazon. They had to show Amazon, who is still boss, and uh, they pretty much have this season, by the way. John, any thoughts about it?
4: I was just thinking, kind of similar to what you're saying, not not necessarily the Lord of the Rings stuff, but just because I'm like, I started thinking, I'm like, I don't remember Game of Thrones being in the fall. Like, I don't rem- like it's kind of inter- interfering with my spooky time a little bit. Not yeah. that I, not that I don't mind too much, but it's like this was kind of like the spring, early summer kind of thing I look forward to, and I didn't really think about it until the other day. But hey, I'm I'm not complaining. And to also Holly's point. I think if you're a true fan, we're all used to waiting long
0: stretches of time. So you're saying that you completely agree with Holly? Is that what you're saying?
4: She's always right. So <laughs> obviously.
0: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Kelly, uh the hair is in my eyes again. I can't see it. What does it say?
1: Speaking of eyes, it landed on an eye for an eye.
0: An <laughs> the- eye. F- aren't i
1: indeed it's uh allicent or guilty
0: you cannot imagine innocent completely for the things that she might do Review the situation from this girl's point of view allicent or guilty or as the sarah's called her emma yeah. emma are guilty so who wants to argue for Alicent? because i will if nobody else will
3: have fun,
1: Matt.
0: <laughs> no, uh, well, let's hear your thoughts first, and then uh, that'll give me plenty of uh, fuel to to knock y'all down.
1: Girl gone crazy,
3: she's crazy. She went full Cersei this episode, full Cersei. My girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I, I see that's an argument for you, okay? But you know, in the in the worst way, she went full winds of winter. Septa Baylor is no more, lady killing queen
0: all those years I mean think about it how many more years have been added on since she first found out from Kristen Cole about what happened to him and Rhaenyra and how Rhaenyra lied to her all of that boils up it finally reached a boiling point when it is her own child that has been maimed and You know, if there's anything where Alicent is like me, Queen Cersei, it's that she loves her children so much she will do anything for them, including protect them and, you know, maybe try some kind of transplant, which I don't think would have worked, but maybe she didn't know that. So I say that Alicent uh, is just reacting the way a mother would, and there were plenty of people there to stop her, including Rhaenyra. Susan, what did you think about Allison this episode?
2: Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think that anything would have justified her attacking one of the other children. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, I certainly horrified. She's horrified by what happened to her son, and rightly so. But uh, yeah, I sorry, I can't can't really stand up for what she did in any way.
0: Oh my goodness! The smartest person in the room has spoken. Uh, that's kind of hard for me to fight. <laughs> Any other thoughts about Allison uh, outside of that incident? Since we're on Allison, like, um, had to be kind of hurtful for Viserys to call her Emma, did it not? After all the years that she's taken care of him,
3: he's getting older. It happens.
0: Uh, well, I
4: was gonna, I was gonna say, like, everybody who's like making that out to be something big. Clearly, I mean. I've listened to my own aunt literally call every single one of my family members the wrong name, not once, not twice, often three times in a row to to eventually get it right. And then I've heard other people who, you know, they, they slip, they say the wrong name. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think it just, it, you can tell families on his mind all the time and clearly he misses her. And I think it was just, it's like a slip up.
0: I'm I sure. think that, mm-hmm. Because that happened at that time, and Allison is already as vulnerable to silly thoughts as she is at that time, that this propels her to do more to try and get Aegon on the throne. It's like, what if something's happening to him? If he's going to die and Rhaenyra is still going to be the heir... What are my children going to do? They're going to die because that's what Daddy told me. So mm-hmm. I I think that it's not so much whether it's important to us, as to whether it's important to Allison or not.
3: She's also the one escalating the situation though and making it worse. Um, I will say when they're questioning when Viserys is questioning Aemon, uh, and he asks where he heard the these lies and slander about the children who their father is um he is staring like straight at allison because and it's like we all know like that's where that's how he knows you know he knows it from her and then he kind of just blames Aegon, and he's like oh me what uh i kind of think aemon was protecting her in that moment a little bit um and also showing us that aemon is kind of on the same page with allison like he knows what's up and i we can talk about this later when we get to him but uh, I just thought that was really interesting.
0: Um, well, plus Aegon is the perfect scapegoat because Viserys already thinks that uh, Aegon has been doing things like the the pink dread and all of that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, he said, what did he do? And it's like, no, he, he didn't do anything. And Allison goes to him and he says he didn't do anything, too. But uh, yeah, I, I think I think you're right in that. Uh, who else have I touched on, have I not touched on this? Kelly, anything?
1: Uh, I didn't get to talk to you guys last week, so I, I kind of carry over from the um, last week episode with where we got the new Allison's actress and the Manny, the mania that she kind of expresses a little bit there, I think carried over into this episode. And I think it, it did reach its boiling point in, when she saw, you know, when blood was drawn like that. And I think yeah, looking at it that way, I can kind of understand that what we saw last week as this she is looking at, she was, I think, talking to Laris about, you know, well, no, oh no, she's talking to Kristen. Like, will no one believe me. Is no one going to be on my side. I forget who she said that to you, but, um, the, she does feel alone, even though she does have these at least two allies in court, but she doesn't have, she, feel like she's, she feels like she's in a power in, in, um, in the dynamic of, uh, the hierarchy. Um, so, I can see where now that it's come to the point where she has to push Viserys to act in any way other than just letting Rhaenyra get away with it, as she seems to think Rhaenyra always does. She did go above and beyond, (laughs) it was disproportionate in terms of her reaction. Um, But that is, I think, 10, 15 years of built up, um, pent up. um, I would say like almost panic that you saw Otto leave her in when you know after like she was basically told like you know your son's gonna be killed like and every day she sees this threat growing and growing and growing and she hasn't made progress in terms of making anything different in the in that circumstance so um 15 years for us it was two episodes for her it's been 15 years so i can see that um building building up and, and coming out in this way but yeah it's so stupid and i think she did like in, in her chambers, like her reaction was appropriate. Like she was like, I've made all of these like strategic errors in that choice. Um, and all of those years of acting, you know, in line with the rules and following everything correctly as best she could basically went out the window and now she's going to be seen as a, you know, she's, um, she's gone mad. She has said that they are gossiping about her now. Um, so I, I, my only defense is that when, um, Rhaenyra was suggesting that uh a Aemond be questioned sharply that's basically implying torture so i i don't know if that's maybe sufficient defense i don't know, like that's kind of my point later is I-, I wonder if you guys have any feelings we can talk about it now like blacks and greens like Rhaenyra is Rhaenyra seems way more defendable now than Allison and i don't know if that's intentional by the show or not but it's it's kind of losing some of its gray that I thought we had kind of built up up to now. Um, But I'm guessing, you know, three episodes left and that might change. But yeah, Allison really fell off.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, especially the way that the episode ended uh, when you thought you might have a chance to return Rhaenyra back to not being defended as much. We can talk about that in another topic.
4: Uh, How many kids can Damon and Rhaenyra make during the next time jump? (laughs) That's a great question.
0: Uh, it's more a question about their relationship, right? So, why don't you tell me what you thought of them getting together?
4: Yeah, I'm still not, in, I'm not down with the Targaryen uh, spiciness, um, I guess you would call it, or some might call it incest. It just doesn't, doesn't jive well with me. So, I don't, um, it was it was it was as weird as we all thought it was i did like the targaryen wedding though from like a cultural perspective i thought that was unique and different because we never really get to see that stuff i i mean i didn't even know there was a certain like valyrian or targaryen wedding style but like the cutting of the lips thing yeah that's a no-go for me like i i no matter how much i would love someone no that
0: that's way too painful i understand yeah. that that was dragon glass they were using right oh i didn't even think about it but yeah no it yeah. had to be yeah that's what i thought what did you think holly i told john i asked john first so that he wouldn't have to say you're right so but she still is right yeah
3: okay great because i disagree with you uh <laughs> for some reason and it's not true of in real life it's not true really anywhere else in westeros but like targaryen incest is hot in this case i'm sorry it just is it is um this it wasn't as like sexy of a scene as the brothel scene i have to admit but it was nice to see them get together i thought their chemistry was there i i like uh, and again i really really like the the valyrian wedding scene um it was nice to see something uh that we really don't know much about um and and a wedding is a, such a big culture. It's a big moment. And no matter in, in, in any culture. So seeing a Valyrian, uh, wedding was really neat. And I liked their outfits and, um, and now they're, they're not just married, they're blood niece, uncles now, like, they were, I don't know. I was just thinking like blood brothers, like the stupid little pact you would do when you're kids. And when you swore, um, I don't know. It was, it was cute.
0: If I had an inclination to do that during a time when uh, I would be willing to cut my own hand to do it, I wouldn't have been given access to, to to knives, yet my parents would have kept those from me. So I never got to experience the whole Blood Brothers thing. Susan, did you get to experience the Blood Brothers thing when you were a child? No,
2: no, I don't think I ever uh, had, any interest, uh, <laughs> any had any interest in that or any friends that had any interest in that. You know, I agree with Holly. You know, in terms of uh, Westeros universe, I'm pretty used to the whole Targaryen um, relationships with each other, and it's just like you know, so many other things. I mean, in 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 re- real life, we're not going to ever you know feel um, well. I don't think we're going to feel empathy or sympathy for people that end up you know killing other people and so forth. But in this world. You know, there's times when we can get behind and root for somebody, even though we know that they've done absolutely horrendous things. So I think that, especially when it's at this point in time in the Targaryen history, with um, it being so much of the blood being tied to dragon riding, uh, that adds another element to it. You know, after the dragons are gone, I guess um, you have to question it a little bit more. But I do find it interesting that as far as uh, social media is concerned, people are really into this couple from what i've seen <laughs> uh, more than i've uh, ever seen this in the past and maybe it's because we're watching a show that is specifically about the targaryen uh, family at this point in time but i was uh i was surprised how much support for their relationship i've seen
1: i i agree with holly about the um the beach sex scene i thought it was way better before uh just not necessarily just I think just the chemistry was more enticing. Maybe it was because it was directed by a woman versus a man. I don't know, but it was just, it was a normal sex scene. I, I didn't care about those, those characters in that moment. Um, it was also, I think in the behind the scenes episode, they they mentioned this was like the first episode they shot, or I don't know if this was the first scene, but it's, I feel like this whole episode was, was pretty early in the filming process. So maybe they were a little bit more um, not I don't know. They didn't have the direction for how these two characters were supposed to interact or it's a choice. Maybe they were choosing like, you know, young Rhaenyra is, you know, chaotic and passionate. Older Rhaenyra has been through some stuff. So th- this is just a difference in the stage of their relationship. And it is calmer and they are um, more soul bonded than they were, like, physically um excited about each other or something. Um, so that was fine. I can I can move forward with that if that's how they choose, or if it if it changes, uh, I would appreciate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the um the wedding was um was pretty cool. I liked the scene more mostly of them on the uh cliffside, watching the ship go off in the distance. And they had that interaction where they were having that talk. Um I don't know if we want to talk about that here or later. But Rhenira had a great line where she says that you know fire is this uh powerful thing and has given our families uh everything it has. But it's also taken away the two things we love, you know, Lena and uh, Harwin. So I thought that was a really cool line that she and Damon were sharing their their thoughts about. We were meant to burn together and she seemed to be the instigator again here. And he feels like he's along for the ride. I don't know Damon's motivations. He is a little bit shy about like speaking up. He kind of just reacts this episode. So anyway, I just had, to, you know, I like that they went along with it, that they went through with it uh, in in one episode it was encapsulated and we got to see the wedding this episode which again was super cool to see a non-westerosi wedding i think those are the only ones that go well,
0: <laughs> well. <laughs> and they're still bloody yeah okay yeah
1: so i think talissa and rob's wedding went okay right yeah because no one was there <laughs> right that's what we to do
3: it <laughs> But they got married in the Faith of the Seven. Their wedding was like in the Faith of the Seven, though. And then I was mm-hmm. thinking about the Old God wedding that we saw. And I was like, oh, but that was Samson and, and Ramsay." And I was like, oh, no, I don't want to think about that wedding either. So, so Matt might quit the show again.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Dedicated to George R. R. Martin's A Song of Ice and Fire book series.
0: Can I just skip to the end real quick?
1: And the HBO Game of Thrones franchises. Aw. You're listening to Before the Dragon. Don't tell me what to do. Do,
3: do, 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 do. An eye for a dragon. Amon's flight to stardom and or perhaps infamy.
0: That's a lot of words on that little wheel.
3: There's, there's even more words. Um, I don't know if I should read them or somebody is going to use these words later.
0: Yeah, you might bleep them uh so uh let's start with you this time around kelly what did you think of uh aemon getting Vagar? since you're all about the dragons you have been ever since drogon left daenerys uh what did you think of of aemon gaining Vagar?
1: i mean that kid uh he um, uh, he's lucky that lena was into ropes and and ship ship work and and uh you know, uh, wrapping uh, dr- uh, Vagar in these ropes so that you can climb on its back. Because and they apparently were left there. Um, curious. Apparently, uh, questions about why Vagar is here. Apparently, Vagar still following Lena's body after she died. Or you can still command dragons after um, they don't have a rider alive anymore. Or um, there is um, some combination of this is where Vagar is from. So she just went home. Not sure. But I thought it was curious that Vagar was even there and still had all of her gear on that so that Eamon could get up there but it was so cool i mean we had our, our harry potter quidditch i don't know that's how i always think of those scenes with those shots with, like a kid um he hung on he did a great job uh it was entertaining it was uh glorious so i've watched all of these videos where they try to talk about like how big a dragon's wings have to be for it to actually take flight and it was it was impressive like her, her wings are huge they're like very very proportionate to how big they might actually have to be to lift her off the ground like i think realistically they probably have to be twice as big but for the show and realism and, and let's also say magic <laughs> it I was, was gonna
0: like- say you watch the way caraxus takes off into the air and there's no way uh a, a, a anything could do that so it's <laughs> dragons are just magic that's the way exactly I
1: exactly but at least there's some realism in just how massive this girl is so i i've thoroughly enjoyed getting to to see that flight and all of the the tension leading up to it, where you just kind of heard these dragon calls and you weren't sure who which dragon was making that those noises and um off camera throughout the uh, leading up to this point in the episode was great too so um and then yeah does he legitimately own her was that cool of him to do was that kind of a jerk thing to do it was you know lena's dragon and her daughters are right there should he have gotten signed consent from the daughters in order to take that dragon and that's up up to the panel to decide uh as your uh resident maester accolade at the moment i can give you some historical precedent as to how this has gone down in the past if you wish
0: okay well go ahead and then we'll have susan chime in on an opinion
1: okay so uh in the past uh, even uh the current dragons that we have uh you have um, Caraxes is uh currently being written by Damon but it was previous its previous writer was Aemon, who you might know as Rainey's father um and then flippy floppy interestingly Male's, who Rainey's is currently writing uh was previously written by Damon's mother Damon and Viserys' mother Alyssa so parents dragons being, um no longer having a rider often goes to a different family member uh even those in this show uh current rider um most of these other dragons like cyrax's is, is rhaenyra is uh her first and only rider sea smoke lenora's is first and only rider um we have dreamfire uh which uh we kind of have had naming and we've seen uh, i think we've seen her at this point i think yeah. she was one of the three flying off with the with the boat at the end um so and in we're the first shot
0: assume, i think wasn't she there at the first shot at the funeral
1: yeah there were five dragons but they're not distinct enough from a distance for me to be able to recognize yet i don't okay. know if anyone could um but that's so i think we're supposed to understand that that's helena's because of the boat going away and the three dragons flying off with it um we've got we heard of sunfire we heard of uh Dreamfire, and we saw Vagar, and then the three kids in the boat have dragons so that's the three and three right there um but Dreamfire previously had a rider, Raina, um, that was Jaharris's older sister, um, not directly, you know, related uh, to to Helena. Um, and then there's a couple more dragons that uh, don't have riders at the moment, but we don't need to go into them. But they they obviously are um, Jaharis and Alisane's dragons. Um, haven't seen them yet.
0: All right. So you've posted, uh, you've framed the evidence before you. Before we go actually to anybody else on that. Kelly, since I've got you here, what were your thoughts about Eamon deciding to beat up on on, uh, all of the kids? Was he just defending himself?
1: He was being pretty nasty, and he did feel outnumbered, and I feel like in that case, he could have made a different choice, but he did, I don't know, punch a girl. I feel like there's some chivalry uh disruption there i don't think that, he, that was appropriate for a princely to do um however he was outnumbered uh and i think if we were to give autonomy to all genders then we should probably say that it was justice i don't know
0: <laughs> gotta say i loved reyna and bela uh, just being on top of him just beating the crap out of him that that was delightful to me for the few seconds that it lasted
1: until yeah, as kids beating beating up kids, you're like they can't do that much damage and they're just gonna you know their egos are gonna get bruised, but then it got serious, so yeah,
0: then it got serious. Susan, your thoughts on Amon getting his dragon that he's been wanting for two episodes now and probably all his life, and on him uh deciding to kick a lot. Fights aren't fair, I know, but kick a lot,
2: yeah, um, well. The claiming of Vegar was definitely uh, the highlight of the show. Um, yeah, I, it was a lot of fun to see that, and I think a lot of us have been looking forward to that. Uh, as far as him, how fair it was for him to claim her, I kind of think that dragons are kind of up for whoever's going to claim them first. I mean, it, it's probably... Uh, Sentimentally, we would think that it would have been nice for Lena's daughter to have been able to do that. But uh, uh, he did have a point that she hadn't done it yet. So, you know, you got a dragon there. it's, It's up for grabs kind of thing. I think that, you know, his behavior was pretty awful. And I think that part of it we have to kind of understand from the context of him being someone who's been bullied so much. Mm. that uh you know his behavior towards others is a little bit of a reflection of how he's been treated as well so i can kind of understand why he would behave that way even though it was pretty awful
4: Mm. where to start such a such a big moment for everybody um yeah, no, in terms of, like, the dragons, of, a dragon doesn't have a rider, it's up for grabs. It, it does kind of feel like it's a free-for-all, and everybody can just kind of do whatever. It's also a very scary thing to claim a dragon, which I don't necessarily think Lena's daughter was prepared for, nor ready to accept that risk. Mm-hmm. Um, the one thing I would love our maester to give us any sort of insight, because I was too lazy to Google, was... There was one word of Valerian that he used during his claiming that I had never heard before. So, I, 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 if you can look that up, I would love to know what that is. But I that did. which
0: which word was it? One, yeah, uh, Lokiri.
4: Lokiri.
1: That means calm.
0: Okay, that's wish, interesting. So, and I guess Silvis so means fly or go. Oh, go. Okay.
3: I think, or like, let's go because we hear Daenerys say "voila" to to Drogon or to the dragons, that which I think means, and it says "fly." That's like the end of your uh, marine, not marine, but um, Yunkai, perhaps, mm. or maybe it was marine. I forget. It was marine? Um, mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So,
0: so season five.
3: So I I didn't think that word was "fly," but I thought I kind of took it as like "go," like let's go, Vamanos. <laughs> I'll all <laughs> oh my God, if Aegon would say that to Sunfire, that'd be perfect. Because this I need that in,
1: son playing Lloyd. In, in a TikTok or something. Come on.
0: <laughs> okay. Maybe one day. Kali, we haven't heard from you on Demon oh, yeah. yet.
3: Yep this this was the moment I was looking forward to all season um, the claiming of Vagar and Eamon losing his eye I um, was mad last week about Lena not seeing enough of Lena and wanting to see Lena uh, claim Vagar but now after watching this scene I'm glad we didn't because it just made it made it so much more intense watching little Amon try to try to do what he did and he did um and I can't remember feeling both like happy for a kid and then like wanting to punch that same kid, like within like 10 minutes of each other. Um, I, I pretty much stopped liking him after he landed Um, like, no, we're not. I'm not cool with you. A little Amon anymore. He came off that dragon, a different kid and was such a jerk to his cousins slash nephews and yeah, uh he he deserved it. He deserved to get his eye out. Not because he shouldn't have claimed uh Vagar, but because of how he treated his family members.
4: All right. Holly is always right. Mm-hmm. But there's one thing Mm-mm. that I want to know from the team on this. What did any anybody else notice Damon's reaction to what uh Eamon said about the fair trade, the infamous line that everybody was waiting to hear? Did anybody happen to notice the look on his face?
3: No, but I'm I was he like pleased or like surprised or like oh that kid. Yeah. I I I didn't have it. I didn't put it in the doc or anything, but I was drawing so many parallels between Amond and Damon this very episode and I feel like Amond is a miniature version of Damon. Um I think him and Aegon have like a kind of parallel brotherly relationship to uh, Daemon and Viserys, where it's not like a one for one comparison. Viserys is not the same as Aegon, but I think in both cases, their younger brothers think that they can maybe do the job better and maybe care a little bit more about the roles they're supposed to play and have or have stronger opinions about how to be rulers as targaryens um so i saw a lot of similarities in this episode between the two of them so i thought that was really interesting that you brought that up and i need to go back and watch it now
0: especially at the beginning of the episode where aemon is telling aegon you know a betrothal would make the house stronger yeah um it's very similar kind of uh you know i know how to do this you don't big brother yeah kind of kind of attitude
3: and kind of going back to what I was hinting at earlier, this moment between um, Allison and Amond when Viserys is trying to get him to fess up about who's spreading these rumors, like he looks at Allison and it's like he's not going to say her, but like I don't, I don't know. I just felt like he was in that moment he was protecting his own little family um, from everybody else, and I don't know that it was very, it was very Damon of him. It, it just. All Damon. He's a little Damon boy. Excellent.
2: There was also a moment the next day when Otto was talking to Allison where he called uh, uh, Eamon a rogue. So Mm -hmm. there you go, the rogue prince.
3: Yep. Little
2: Mm -hmm. rogue princeling. Damon's nickname.
3: Very good. Very good. I like that a lot.
4: I was just going to say, man, I didn't even realize until I just thought of it right now. Eamon's name is literally Damon, just with the D at the end
3: instead of at the beginning right <laughs> they just moved the d i like that
4: <laughs> eamon's a little turd for that fight i will he say is. that
3: he is a little turd for sure um no, and
4: no one brings up the rock either he was literally about to pulverize that kid's skull in
3: that's why his eye needed to come out mm-hmm. like right there like that was where it went from like okay this is you know I, me and my brother have like punched each other like that before too and then like you start getting weapons involved and it's like that's elevated the game to like a different level like this is too far um so i liked that move though i liked the teamwork between uh jace and luke and jace throws the dirt in his face and then luke comes in with the knife and slashy slash <laughs> man that little kid luke is so cute oh i love him I, like, I think I really like all these kids and I think yeah. follow, like, the kids are really fun to watch. And I think they're now my favorite part of the show.
0: Kelly, where did it land? Come on, Maestro, well, where first, did it land? It, first
1: it landed on my unmute button and then it landed <laughs> on, Ooh, this is a big one. Uh, Mission impossible. Laner's alive. Will he come back? What will sea sm- smoke do?
0: Dun, dun, Leonor, dun, dun, and Carl, Carl, <laughs> Carl. Uh, loved this. I, I, There were five minutes in there as Damon and Rhaenyra are talking about this. And there was a little, there was a little line in there somewhere where it kind of tipped it uh, that, that Leonor was going to live. But the way that they put all of that together with uh Damon doing the whole Kermit the Frog Dark Jedi thing, and uh, and that that discussion where I was just like, "Oh my God!" I thought I hated Alicent. I think I hate Al- Rhaenyra and Damon more. And then you got that thing at the end, which I absolutely loved. Um, I know some people don't like that. I did think that that ruined it. Uh, but I thought that it was a fantastic sequence. Uh let's go to you, Kelly. Back to you. What did what did you think?
1: I'm I'm with you, man. We we got to the point where the body hit the fire and paused it and I'm looking at Sammy and I'm just saying, no way, this is what happened. And then you know, you hit play and everything else happens and you go, know? yes. And then I thought about it and I was like, dang, I really wish they didn't have that cut at the end that showed Lanor Lenor rowing away. I wish they had left it ambiguous. I wish that the the even the um dialogue had been more ambiguous. And I wish they had left it so you didn't know. And then if we do get Lenora later, it's a reveal. But right now I feel like that really would have balanced the um blacks and the and the greens right now. Um whereas at this point, like obviously Rhaenyra and Damon are the good guys. Um uh, I mean, you know, there's there's good arguments that, yes, they did kill an innocent person, but you don't know he was innocent. He might have been Damon might have been like, oh, hey, a uh, cooking uh servant who on your team is like stealing from everybody. And they're like, oh, we've got a guy. We know the worst guy in the in the building is this guy right here. <laughs> He's been stealing everything and giving it to you. Uh, the the other low lives and they've been hurting the cats in this building so and damon was like thank you for this information and he went and he killed that person
0: one Uh, more follow-up one more follow-up question on this what the heck is sea smoke going to do sea smoke has to be able to sense that Lenore is alive so if sea smoke suddenly goes off are they just going to think oh well it doesn't have a rider anymore and it just went off even if it follows him and carl to wherever it is that they go
1: I mean, that's gonna have to be the case right Like they're they're gonna have to assume that sea smoke is just being weird and doing dragon things um and, and uh either that or they're gonna put sea smoke in the in no because he's on drift marks they're gonna take sea smoke back to the the dragon pit
0: unless somebody um, claims it
1: but nobody or... can claim him because lenore's still alive
2: i loved it too and uh it was interesting that you know uh, they had the wedding going on and everything so you know so that people were like, oh, these people are the worst, you know? So even through their wedding, you were, you know, thinking, you know, they're just awful, awful people. And then you get the reveal at the end that no, they didn't kill him. And yeah, it, uh, you know, I mean, you had the idea that Damon would certainly be capable of doing that, especially after what happened to his first wife. So the idea that, uh, Then, you know, in the end, it turned out that uh, they were working this out where it was best for everybody. I I liked it. I really liked it. And it was an, an interesting, nice twist in the book, which in so many circumstances, we've had situations where you don't know which scenario actually really happened. So this one wasn't one that was really suggested, but it's certainly one that would have fit with along with the other ideas that were suggested in the book.
3: I agree with Susan that about how it was different from the book. It got to surprise us, but it wasn't one of those things that we thought were was like an answer we were waiting for. And when I watched it the first time, I screamed out loud at the TV. Um, I was really excited. It's really excited for a few moments. Um, we don't see LGBTQ characters do very well in this series. And my first thought was, yes, a gay man gets to live. Um, so that is great, but then, like ten seconds later, I was like, "Oh man, poor Princess Rhaenys mm. and Corliss." Now they think both their kids are dead. And then, so instead of like the the grief I was preparing for uh, for Laner, like instead of it, I feel it, feeling it for Laner. I just feel it more for the rest of the family, and I feel it for um, the boys who, even though he's not their real father, he's still been their present father figure in their whole lives and now they think he's also dead and um so i don't like those lies that they have to tell and 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 the people that are hurt uh by not knowing the truth but i think it's still a good happy ending for laner and um it'll be interesting to see if we see more of him in the future or not if he comes maybe he comes back um who knows who knows All we don't right. we certainly don't know now like this is a big twist for us so um it kind of leaves the door open for lots of things that can happen
0: john you always agree with holly on this one right she's always
4: right she is literally 100 some would even say 101 percent always right i the one thing i would say is i think you can explain sea smoke away in terms of him or she. We I I don't know if it's a she dragon or not. But literally look at Vagar. Vagar just went away. Just went and roosted somewhere and lived. So Seasmoke could literally go do the same thing, but catch up with Leonor across the narrow we'll sea. And they could just be hanging out. Carl, Leonor, and Sea Smoke. It's like a nice little uh, fairy tale. He could be the he could be the mercenary life that Damon was trying to live.
1: Or, I mean, he mentioned the very exciting um, Sea Lord or whoever that was dressing up uh, mm. funny. He was all excited about to tell Rhaenyra about that. And she was like, honey, I don't care. <laughs> but he was yeah. so excited to talk about it. Uh, so maybe he and Carl will go find it who, um, and uh, join up or what, be entertained or who knows. They, they, they dropped that into the show. So maybe that's going to be referenced later. I don't know. It'd be nice if that wasn't the end we see of Lenore like if we actually see that character more yes let's let's watch him go
3: fight Dario Naharis, his great grandfather
4: mm, excellent <laughs> quick question for the panel though do we uh is George said that Ryan Condell can do what he wants or is Ryan Condal channeling George through these like kind of like slight remixes or Both changes is
3: involved
4: I know he's involved, but I mean, I guess can Ryan Condal make a decision without him being approving this?
0: He's not protesting him he's but he's also not saying, well, actually, there was a statement where he said, "I wish I'd have thought of that or something to that degree, not about a specific thing, but he mm. was just talking about all these different instances where they did change things, so okay uh yeah. Uh, Kelly, why don't you uh, go to George's Not a Blog and see if you can find that post? I think it would have been uh, somewhere back in July or June.
1: I have his blog. I can't find a. He writes a lot. You would think he'd have a book or two out by now. Uh, (laughs) Good grief! Eleven years, Kelly. (laughs) I'm on page four, and we're not even back to June yet.
0: Wow, what's he been doing? He's been writing blogs instead of books. That's what he's wild been doing. Cards.
4: <laughs> I haven't seen a wild card space. <laughs> Hope you guys <laughs> like my a <Nata> blog.
1: <laughs> I found it. Thank you for delaying. <laughs> so he says, House of the Dragon. Glad you asked. I've, nev- I've now watched rough cuts of nine of the ten episodes, and I continue to be impressed. I cannot speak to the SFX.
0: I don't Special know effects. Special Thanks. effects.
1: Thank you. Many of which are not in yet, but the by, uh, but the look of it is great, and the acting and directing and writing are first rate. And yes, for all of you book fans, it is my story. Sure, there are some changes from Fire and Blood. We could not present three alternate versions of every major event and not keep our sanity. <laughs> uh, but I think Ryan Condal and his writers made good choices, even some improvements.
0: Where did it land on, Susan?
2: name or blood what makes a legacy it was interesting um he's right technically he's very right in terms of uh historically people are not going to uh and certainly before uh, the modern times where we have the ability to actually look at bloodlines but uh you're going to remember somebody based on their name rather than uh, knowing what their blood is because in Most instances, you're not going to have that kind of proof. So, yeah, I thought it was it was true. I mean, at the same time, you had uh, Rainey's knowing the truth, wanting to see that you know some of their legacy and inheritance did actually go to people that were from their own bloodline. So, it was an interesting contrast.
4: I agree. I thought it was very interesting on how Corliss approached that. It was a very nuanced take for a world that lacks some nuance in terms of he looked at it as like these people are in my family. And he seems to take a more active role in probably attempting to shape um, Luke necessarily than worry about who the true father is. And that says a lot about a character for me. I was not expecting that
0: scared the crap out of poor little luke
4: He was so sweet though that kid uh, like uh, that was like the sweetest statement in the world
0: yeah but it's basically saying yeah this can all be yours after everybody you know dies which is what he pointed that little kid pointed out <laughs> you scared him to death that's what i say he scared him <laughs> to death holly did he scare him to death
3: yes i was that kid that like I I I don't know why but when I was a kid I had a I had a weird relationship with like grief and death and like I was terrified of losing my parents. I I had this thing go on for a while when I was younger where I was I couldn't stay away. And I wasn't like really like the clingy kid, but like if I stayed away, I at some point in the night would get a lot of anxiety about my parents suddenly dying and then I wouldn't be there. Um, and when he said that line about like, if I'm the Lord, then that means everybody's dead. And he was so sad. I just I felt that so deep in my heart because I was like, I've been there, kid. Like, I don't I it's I, I just could relate. Um, it was so sweet.
0: What about Rainey's and Corley's conversation? So,
3: I I liked, I liked that a lot and uh, kind of agreeing with everybody on the panel. uh, I think Corliss is right. And I think it's kind of another way of saying um, actions speak louder than, than words um, because you're like who you are. doesn't matter.
0: I, I just want to say that I felt, I found Rainy's position to be very practical. And I think that if you, want to look at things through a modern day viewpoint lens you can obviously say that corley's is right um and uh opinion on the world seems very skeptical but i think in the court of true opinion in a world of that time at that place brainies has the better position in the fact that you know you want your own actual blood at the seat because people are going to constantly they're already talking about how jace and and luceris can't possibly be lanor and reina's kids so how difficult is that going to be for luceris later on if jace were to sit the throne and Luce were to inherit driftmark Um, i think that reynies is actually protecting the family line Um, in a much more practical way in that from that perspective of that world. But that's just me. Anybody else got a thought on it? Want to tell me I'm wrong?
3: I don't, it's not that either, neither, either one is like more right or wrong than the other. I, I do agree with both of them. It's just, they're just kind of in a, they're in a tough spot. I don't know. That's all I really got.
0: Yeah. Okay. A tough
1: spot. I just thought it was interesting that Courtless was that being that open-minded about the situation. Like he didn't take as a as a slight to the family honor. He's not as obsessed about like bloodline lineage as a lot of other lords that you get in in this realm. So I, I found his um maybe it's because he is a lord um who has things to be inherited, but he also kind of is a self-made lord that he doesn't. He kind of sits in between both of those worlds and he doesn't mm-hmm. have as big of a problem with um hair like where somebody originated versus how they are raised and where their loyalties eventually end up um I think yeah he was a little bit more open-minded than I expected him to be considering previously we saw him being a little bit oh he'll grow out of it (laughs) about Lenore
3: well no that was the interesting thing is like he wasn't really mad about that either and he even told he's like go get your he without saying it go get your boyfriend out of the water he told um <laughs> Carl to go get get your boyfriend out of the water like <laughs> you yeah. know I I I like I, I do like that about uh the blacks in general how they are just seemingly a more tolerant bunch um this could lead us into our next wheel though so I could stop where I'm at
0: well, the wheel's only got one spot left, so let's just go well, ahead and spin it.
2: it. Can I just add one little tiny bit to that? Absolutely not, it's... Susan.
0: Never, ever, ever again. No. <laughs> please, please, go ahead.
2: Uh, that um, part of the reason Corliss might feel that way is because he may have resigned himself to the fact that his son was not going to provide him with any children.
3: Uh, mm-hmm. That's a good point. Very good.
2: good way he had to... already
1: prepared himself for that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, potential outcome
2: okay okay so just considering that and this a... and then
3: would it also explain why Veymond is over here spouting you know stuff um because he would be the next right he would be the next one to inherit um so well,
0: that really guy can do point. a funeral right i mean that guy <laughs> can really do a funeral right for sure <laughs>
1: Yes, you have to slide in every slight because you've got the floor. Just make sure you hit every uh, weak thread that you can because Mike's on you. <laughs> Dang! It's,
0: it's the guy who's had one too many at the when he toasts the bride and groom.
1: Master of complaints. <laughs> I love that. I love
0: that line. Uh, how you doing with your top ten list or your top five list, there, master Kelly?
1: If, if you're ready, sir, I do I do have a list. I hope you'll approve. Um I did my best. Um pretty forgot this was happening and I'm so excited. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. <laughs> Kelly, Maester Kelly's top five famous real-world club foots. Number five, Kelly. Uh
1: number five. Uh I'm gonna go from Least likely to have heard of to most likely to have heard of.
0: <laughs> that's how you're Dudley ranking them. Okay.
1: Dudley Moore. Dudley uh, wow. Moore, English actor. I know him. Uh,
0: that's a good start. That's a strong start. That is a no strong idea. start. Yeah. Um, remember that in, in modern context, most of these people have been able to have it corrected, unlike Laris, who ended up with it being permanent. So uh, this list
1: will surprise you.
0: Really? Okay. Number four.
1: Number four. Damon Wayans, the American actor and comedian.
2: Uh,
3: really? What? Wow!
0: Wow! Several sources
1: verified. Wow! Yeah. I are there pictures? Are there? Is there photo <laughs> evidence? Uh, no, these were all just lists. I don't think only we're...
4: on OnlyFans, Holly. Oh, oh. damn it! Okay. <laughs>
1: But this was a um, a uh, disability uh, awareness website. So I think that they were finding it uh, supporters that, you know, giving people uh, uplifting uh, aspiration that people, even people, famous people uh, have overcome. And so can you. So I believe that these are reliable and they were on several lists.
0: All right. Number th-
1: three more people more famous than Damon Wayans on this list. This is exciting.
0: Three. Number three.
1: Uh, Mia Hamm. Okay, if you've heard of her, she was uh, on the um, 1996 and 2004 U.S. Olympics.
0: Made World a living team. with that club foot team.
1: Mm-hmm. soccer team. Sorry, <laughs> yes, football. So, yes, football. I can still imagine the
3: the Sports Illustrated cover with her on it, right? Like she's the one who like took off the top. She's like, yeah, right. No, Do y'all remember that?
0: Yeah, it was, I, I thought that
3: was a big I, deal back then. Let me let me Google. <laughs>
0: I think it. I think it was uh, one of her teammates that actually ripped her top off.
3: Oh, maybe okay. I mean, Cause... she had like a sports bra on underneath it, but
0: like mm-hmm. it was just a charm. Triumphant... Or maybe she followed suit. But the one that first did it, that fell to her knees and did it, I distinctly remember, was a blonde. And uh... him is a uh, brunette. Yep, she's a
3: brunette. Okay.
0: It's funny. Club feet
4: is not what I thought it was. So this is so informative.
0: This is this is. We're doing this in tribute to uh, Cersei's favorite character in House of the Dragon right now, Larry Strong. Number (laughs) three, Kelly. Or, I'm sorry, was it number two now?
1: Krista Yamaguchi, winner of the 1992 Olympic gold medal for figure skating. Uh, Lots of athletes. Wow. Mm -hmm.
0: Interesting. Number one. Number
1: one. (laughs) Uh, Claudius, the Roman Emperor.
0: Uh, All right.
3: Claudius Clubfoot.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love it. Can I add
2: one? Please.
0: (laughs) Go ahead. Extra credit. Yeah. An uh, O-L-I, an outside looking in.
2: (laughs) Lord Byron. bad, bad, dangerous to know Lord Byron.
0: I don't know him.
2: He's the one that, that uh the
0: idea of the byronic character
2: comes from oh okay susan you're too smart
0: yeah yeah you're just a walking encyclopedia you gotta stop that kelly i'm outraged by your list you did not have troy aikman on that list how could you not have
1: i don't know who that is
0: the the uh (laughs) dallas former dallas cowboys quarterback Quarterback, who now comments with joe buck on monday night football on espn Wow! Everybody's outraged. I put the
1: lady, I put the lady athletes on there. I recognize them.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> and and fittingly so. Right? You know, but I'm still outraged. Um you at least be. give Troy Aikman an OLI, please. So noted, actually. Okay. Uh, otherwise, you know, you'll have to answer to Queen Cersei.